Hello and welcome to the Post to Post podcast, episode 113, August 23rd. We're doing this on a Saturday, so technically it's August 22nd. I was going to say, the, the nor- it's the Normally we, we do these on Sunday like afternoon. Right. But we got the goat here. Are you releasing this tonight or tomorrow? This is going to This is going to be a Sunday release like normal. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, so the goat's here. So last week we were supposed to have Justin, but we have a little tiny bubble here with this host, and Justin wasn't added to the bubble, but Brent was prior. So that's why Justin wasn't <laughs> available or couldn't join us last week. And that's why Brent is here this week. And so. not enough advance notification was given to the other member of this household right. about said plans, <laughs> the, which the, led to a last minute. Ah, so yeah. I kind of had to abort mission last weekend yet, unfortunately. Last second. But we'll get Justin on in the future for sure. Absolutely. So dad has traveled all the way from Prince Edward Island. All I have. Way. I have by way of Miramichi. Yes, you spent a couple of days in Miramichi. Spent four days in Miramichi, and then this is day three of our Fredericton journey, and then back home. By the time this airs, I should be back in Stratford. Heck yeah! With my feet up. And you joined us for a live stream Friday night. I did. And I had a lot of fun on Twitch Friday I, night. I was well. on Twitch for the first time ever and had fun there. What do you think of marbles? Marbles. Marbles. Oh, marbles. Apparently, uh, not much if you don't even remember the name of it. <laughs> well, it's just the way you said it. Uh, it's a it's a fun game. There's it no is. question. It is a fun game. And the good part is you can participate by just being a spectator and, and entering. Exactly. Uh, you don't have to turn any joysticks or, or do anything. You just have to sit there like a bump in a log yeah, and it, see how you do. It's cool that it's interactive with every single person watching. Um, so it's a lot of fun. So if you want to join us on Fridays, we're going to be doing live streams, hopefully on YouTube and Twitch every single Friday night. So would love it if you could join us on, on both those on both those live streams, the the twitch account is just post to post so it's twitch.tv slash post to post if you want to go follow the account now but we're not sure if there's going to be one on this friday because because i'm moving he's moving kind of a big deal so moving to a place that has no internet yeah which is which is a a bigger deal so So. we'll play by ear exactly but we that aside intro aside we've got a lot to talk about here Um, we weren't sure last sunday if we'd be where we are but the entire first round is now done which is kind of crazy <laughs> when you think about it. It's no game sevens, no game sevens, and it feels like it just flew by. Mm-hmm. Like no game sevens and no sweeps. That's true. I didn't actually kind of interesting. I didn't realize that, but I believe, if I'm not mistaken, every single team that was eliminated from the first round has a C in their name. <laughs> yeah, it starts with a C. It starts or with a C. Yeah. Or, yeah, either the city name or the team name has a C in it, which is very strange. The only C team to move on was been the Colorado Avalanche. Canucks so. moved on. Oh, right, the Canucks moved and on. And the Blues did not, so they don't right. have to see. So they break we, your, your theory. That was before, that was a fact that came up before last Yes, night. I read that tweet before <laughs> the game ended. Uh, yeah, okay. I, so you're right. Yeah, good good, good catch. No problem. But we do have a lot of uh, categories here. Jason put uh, most of this document No, these together. are actually most of your notes. I, I was impressed that I went in there today and there was a ton of stuff in there. I did. I added quite a bit. But you, you yeah. added the, everything at the end. So, Jason, why don't you walk us through some of All this? All right, so we're just going to go through real quick. Neil's done some videos on these already right so if you want even more than what we're going to say right now we're going to just jump through them real quick um, go to his youtube channel and he's got them all broken down there selfish plug yeah. post of post productions so golden knights defeat the blackhawks in five games Wait. i don't know if anyone's real surprised over this one does this not seem like forever ago no you don't think it seems like forever ago yes yeah, what <laughs> what <laughs> no yes maybe i to me this feels like last month this was the first note on the page so, yes yeah. <laughs> It, this it happened is. on Tuesday. I even wrote it down. Not not surprising. No. Not surprising that uh, Vegas moved on. Chicago had some potential. They, they looked pretty good, but Vegas is uh, a team built to win now. Like, like I was feeling they so. could beat Edmonton. I was not feeling they could beat Vegas. Yeah, totally. 
but this is not a surprise. Were you surprised no. by this? No, not a bit. Not a bit. Cool. Um, um, and then today, uh, Bowman came out and said he's not sure what they're going to do with Crawford yet. Like his future with the team remains uncertain. Yeah, I mean, he's getting up. To, I don't. He's I, thirty-five years old. I was going to guess thirty-three, so yeah. he's older than I thought. So he, yeah, he's got uh, maximum five years left in the he's, league. He's an important piece of their team, but he was one of the best players on the team in this series. Yep. So it's not like he's a slouch and someone's going to have to take him off their hands and just be, to do them a favor or something like that or whatever. Is his contract over? I think so. So, I don't know. I mean, I can't see him getting like a three-year deal. Like, if I'm he does, it's, it's going to be low money. Gonna, yeah, like it's... Is he, is he at the point where he's going to be looking for like a one or two from anyone that'll give it to him? I don't know if it's right there yet, but... Like age-wise, he's up there, but his play is still... It's it's still there. It's like pretty he's still, remarkable. Yeah, he's still pretty good. Yeah, I could see him going to a Western Canadian team like uh, Calgary or the question maybe is Edmonton. is he going to start going down that curve hard? I guess is what uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so to be honest. I like because we know that Cor- that uh, Holby is probably looking elsewhere. Mm-hmm. If you look at a team like Calgary, which Riddick has played questionable, uh, Talbot was questionable. <laughs> Do both of those move out? And what if Holtby decides to sign in Calgary? And what if Corey Crawford also goes to Calgary as the backup? That's a pretty legitimate tandem, even though Crawford's that old. That would be a good tandem. Um, when a player gets to be a certain age, probably the reflexes are still good, but they just don't have the longevity to do 65 mm, or 70 games. Them, yeah. So if you can take a, an experienced goalie and make sure you play them only 40 or 45 games or even fewer if it's mm-hmm. Crawford, then you're going to get a lot of good goaltending out of him if you have the other goalie. Right. So, but he, you know, you get to a certain age, you can't be the goalie. So sure. they're, they're going to need right. someone that can back up. Yeah. That's not ne- maybe not necessarily a one B, but pretty close to it. Yep, I agree. Yeah. 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 So yeah, Vegas moving on. Uh, next up, we get the Bruins defeating the Hurricanes. Five the, games. The last. Sveshnikov beginning injured was the best thing that ever happened to the Bruins, I think, as mean as that sounds. Like, if Sveshnikov was a pretty big leader on the team, but not necessarily ver- verbally, but just the way he played the game, he's a big piece of their puzzle. So that uh, that helped that helped the Bruins quite a bit. But it's not like all the Bruins team was there. Tuka Rask was, Tuka Rask was vacant. Out. Pasternak was out until the last game. Yep. Uh, he's just, I think he assisted on both goals. I think that the Bruins may be... Uh, Carolina's kryptonite a little bit. Maybe. Last year they couldn't do anything against yeah. them, and this year they couldn't do anything either. So as a Bruins fan, are, I, I felt like when I made the series recap, I felt like there's a lot of Bruins fans out there who are questionably optimistic about I'm not, the team. I'm not optimistic. You're not optimistic? Not for the next round. We'll get into that at the end, but <laughs> I was right. I went and looked at some pundit predictions, as valuable as those are. I don't yeah. know how much. I would say probably about 80-20 Tampa. Oh wow. oh wow! Wow! Yeah, so they're not thinking too highly on Boston. So, um, kind of like you are with Montreal, I'm pretty critical of Boston. So when mm. the, when I hear a lot of people around me that are obviously way smarter than me that do that for a living mm. say that, then I'm gonna listen a little bit. Were you surprised that Boston won so easily in this series? Yes. Were you? Yeah, I was. I was. Especially I thought Carolina tu- had more. Yeah, and especially when Tuca went out, like that, that that there was a lot of noise around the team when that happened. They just shut her down, and like that's that's experience, right? And in a good locker room. Yeah. I I am genuinely surprised that that they took Carolina Carolina out that quickly because on paper I personally think Carolina is the better team than Boston on paper. 
So did you, it was last week we talked about Tuka leaving, right? For the first time. Yes. And did we talk about why he left or we didn't know we were speculating, no, right? No, I think we knew at that point. See, mm-hmm. I don't know. I can't remember. I, I think I said that I thought I heard he was called back on, an, on a family emergency. Right. But it wasn't Okay, confirmed. yeah, I, I do remember talking and about that. And now we know that there was something wrong with his daughter that needed medical attention. Oh, I, his wife, I did not know that. And his wife, his two-year-old daughter. I did oh, not know okay. that. So she, something, I don't know what, obviously they didn't say. Like, I don't know if it was COVID. I don't know if it was like something worse than that. Mm. But something was going on with his two-year-old daughter and she needed urgent medical attention and he left to be with her. Good for him. So well, all the haters out there. I hope you feel, I hope you feel bad now. Keep on hating, I guess, because... Yeah. Keep on hating. Filter. <laughs> I stopped myself. So anyway. Yeah. Let's jump into Lightning Blue Jackets. I'm like a part of me is glad it's over and a part of me is disappointed that it's over because we saw some pretty tight games throughout the entire series, but it wasn't really the most enjoyable hockey to watch. It was kind of boring at times, kind of like the, the Philadelphia Montreal series. So I I'm think people, sad and happy at the same time. People who did not know Braden Point's name before this series know his name now. Absolutely. Like he gets overshadowed because of Stamkos and Kucherov mm-hmm. and Hedman and... He's money in the bank, big time. Braden Point is an incredible player. I am so unbelievably jealous as a Canadiens fan that they have a player like that, and we do not. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, big big money for Point. He even took less money to stay there, I believe, in a couple years ago when he signed his contract. I think he only signed for like seven million or something. Mm. They could have given him nine point five elsewhere or something. So, so the, wow. the fifth game, um, Tampa won five four in overtime. That overtime goal was just brutal. It was a brutal giveaway. Point stand out front all by himself. Yep. Yeah, if you're going to leave someone out front... Uh, tough way to end your series and your season. Very, very tough. I got to say, I I like Tortorella being in the NHL. I like I like the press conferences. I like the, the camera following him on the bench and his reactions. But I, I, I got to say, as a, a bit of a masochist, I also like it when, when they show his face after a goal like that. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah. It's, it was it's, awesome. Like, the utter disappointment and upset on the man's face. Like, there is... You would never not know what John Tortorella is thinking I was gonna about say, anything. I wonder what it would be like to play poker with him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he'd have a very good poker face. Yeah, he, no, he would not. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, anyways, good job, Lightning. Like this series was, was only five games long. Like it was a pretty short series, but I think Columbus could have won. They this could series. absolutely. Like, like obviously they absolutely. didn't. So, but they weren't like completely outshadowed. I didn't think. I thought they played quite well, and they, their goaltending was spot on, which is probably why they were in it. As yeah, much like as they the, were. Columbus is a really good shutdown team, but they're playing such an offensively gifted uh, Lightning team that it's it's almost impossible at times. They, they get exhausted, and then at that point, when you're spending so much energy trying to shut down the team, what energy do you have left for offense? And there's a secondary thing here too. If what if you're a Toronto fan that just got put out by Columbus? I, I know sometimes when my team is beat by somebody, I then start cheering for that team because I want the end result to be something that my team might have gotten had they won yeah, that series. I agree with that. And you, you see Toronto losing to Columbus in the way they did, a spectacular fashion. And then you see Columbus going out quickly, fairly quickly in five games here. Mm. If I was a Toronto fan, I'd be even more worried now because the team that we couldn't get past, despite the fact they had some good games and mm. the games were close, they couldn't even take it to six games with Tampa. Right. I, I think as a Toronto fan, you step back even one more step and you say, wow, we need to do more even than I thought we did. Mm-hmm. Let me ask both of you a question. Do you, if, if the Toronto Maple Leafs played the Tampa Bay Lightning in that series, do you think they would have done better than Columbus? Five games? Probably not. I agree. 
I yeah, don't, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think it would have been the same result. I agree. Yeah, I don't think they have the team, and for all the the money they're spending, they're throwing you know into their rosters. You know, like look at their look at their cap room, which is basically nothing, mm-hmm. and look at all the the gaps that they still have in their defense and that team is is not going to go anywhere it's just not going to i to me the Tampa Bay Lightning are built extremely similar to the Toronto Maple Leafs but the Lightning are better in every single category and yeah. and this is their year because they do not have the money going into next correct. year to hold on to everybody correct so they do it now or they don't do it with this group yep. they do it with some of this group <laughs> um but it also shows you that if you look at the teams that all went out in the qualifying round, mm-hmm. like Toronto, Edmonton, a lot of people who had, you know, very high, highly paid players, like you know McDavid, and you got forty million dollars basically in Toronto and four players. Yeah, it almost goes to show that you cannot win when all of your money is going to a few players and you don't have the depth behind them. I don't know. I don't remember the last team that, that won that did. Like, <coughs> excuse me, Pittsburgh obviously has Malkin, mm-hmm. has Crosby. But that team had a ton of depth. Mm-hmm. Chicago, Kane, mm-hmm. Taves, Keith. But that team also had a ton of depth. Absolutely. Toronto Maple Leafs, depth is not there. Mm-hmm. Not at the, not at that level. Not at that. They're not going to win. They need depth. They have, they have two have lines. Too much invested. Two lines, and they kind of had three centers. Kind of. Mm-hmm. Their blue line is okay for the first pairing, and it falls off. It falls quickly. off quickly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, and I don't understand how Maple Leafs defended the cap situation two years ago when we saw, everyone saw it coming. Mm-hmm. Everybody, everyone, everyone was critical of it, and Leafs fans were like, "Don't worry, it'll it'll work out." It's two years later, two and a half years later, it ain't working out. And because the cap's not going up anymore, it's there, really going to pinch them. Exactly. So like, there's going to be moves in the off season. Who's moving? We don't know. Yeah. And I'm kind of tired of having the con- the conversation that you know, trying to make Leafs. Not being successful, cap situation, cap whatever. I want that to be over. I I, I, like, I want them just to get over it and just to have some success and mm-hmm. go on a deep run. Maybe they only make it to the conference finals, but at least they did it. Yeah, and they got close. And there's, like and there's the promise Doug, there. The Doug Gilmore years. Yeah, like let's let's go. Let's get like actually yeah. give us some confidence behind the team because I have nothing for that mm-hmm. team right now. Like, I don't feel anything, and no. that sucks because look at the like Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Riley. Like there's a lot of really good players on the team. They just not enough sandpaper, not enough sandpaper in the mm. team. So, and here we are. Something I hate when I see it on TSN. We're talking about Toronto. Toronto wasn't even yeah, exactly. in the conversation this week as far as teams that were even playing. But yeah. it's become a Toronto conversation. But I think in some respects it has to be mm-hmm. because Columbus's Columbus's defeat at the hands of Tampa in the way it happened says something about Toronto too. And I, I think Toronto fans must know that. Yeah, I can't. They, as a Canadians fan. You look at the Canadians, lots of frustration, but at least it's like predictable frustration. <laughs> and the Toronto Maple Leafs fans look at their team, see a winning team, and get dis- disappointed constantly. That must be a worse situation than a Canadians fan uh, looking at their team. Well, at the start of this year, did you guys expect Montreal to go on a big playoff run no. with the team? No. That's, see, that's the difference. Toronto did. Yeah, and This was the year they had to make a push. Even Columbus, going back to Columbus... I mean, Columbus, the Columbus team last year is extremely different than the one Absolutely. this year. Absolutely, they lost a lot of key pieces. I was not expecting Columbus to be in the playoffs this year. No. And the fact that they did that and turned it around and goodbye Toronto, <laughs> the Toronto Maple Leafs, like extremely impressive for Good the Blue coaching Jackets. coaching and hard work. Totally. Yeah. 
the coaching was great uh, all the way through, really. And they they proved a lot by making the series with Tampa not a, a walk away for Tampa. Yeah, they were competitive. Uh, that was obviously a crazy fluke last year in in many ways. It wasn't skill so so much more as it was just totally blinded by the light or something. Yeah. Um, but I go back to Tortorella. Um, as much as I like to see his upset face, I did support him when he was in his press conference and the media is asking him the stupid questions they that they always, always ask yeah. the coaches and the players. The fact that, that Gary has determined that he even has to make these coaches and player interviews available mm-hmm. at times like this, especially now, it's just senseless. It is. It really stupid. is. I have no interest in what any of them are saying. I think he answered two questions and then bailed. Yeah, yeah. he, said, he was, said, I'm not getting into the touchy-feely stuff and moral victories. You it, guys be safe or you something. You guys be yeah. safe and away he went. Yeah. I love it. It was amazing. I love it. Because someone, like, this is this is him saying, really, to the league as well, like, don't put me through this. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to go through this. Totally. Absolutely. This isn't just him and uh, and Brooksy back when he was in New York, right? <laughs> New York, this, yeah. this is the whole league he's saying this to. Exactly. Good for him. I think we maybe we can all close this on the on the series and kind of agree that Columbus did way better this season than we thought. Yep. And if I'm a Columbus Blue Jackets fan, I'm probably feeling pretty good about this team moving I th- forward. I think everybody had them written off when they lost who they lost. Yeah, totally. It, I mean, super impressive. Yeah. Uh, the next series to talk about is the Avalanche and Coyotes. One would say a slaughter. The last game, for sure, a slaughter. 7-1. The game before that, I think, was also 7-something. Might have been. It was it was pretty one-sided. I would be extremely frustrated as a Coyotes fan. And maybe those last two games were just like, you know what? We won our big series in the playing round. We beat Nashville. Like, that was our big victory. And we're just, we're kind of over it now. Like, we, we got that, that series win finally in the last eight years or ten years or whatever it was. We won one. And we're good. Like, let's get time to go home. Like, that's kind of how I felt in the, in the last two games. I just felt like they were over it. Like, they knew they weren't going to go far. They knew they were completely outmatched by the Avalanche. They put up some good fights in certain areas of, of the arena in certain games. But overall, they knew that they weren't going to win, and they just kind of were tired of it. Just wanted to get it over with. There's a phrase, the dog who caught the car. You know, like, the dog dogs chase cars, but jar, thankfully for dogs, they never catch the cars. Yeah. Because if they did, what would they do with exactly. it? Exactly. And it's like Arizona. They won the series. Now they've caught the car. And now what do we do with this? Yeah. Oh, we have another series to play? Oh, we're not ready for that. Yeah, exactly. So, good for them. I, I feel bad for the fans, though, because the team, the drama with the owners, which we talked about a couple of podcasts ago, uh, the Taylor Hall situation, which... I think, I, he's out, I think he's out of there I now. think he is, too. And even if you look at certain players on the team... Like Phil Kessel, look at the point production from Phil Kessel in Pittsburgh, who had like 80 some points. And on Arizona, I think he had 38 points. The plus minus was basically the same. So it's not like he's playing. I know plus minus isn't everything, but it just goes to show you that supporting cast means a lot. Mm. Kessel had Malcolm Crosby and lots of other people in Pittsburgh. He does not have that level of talent in uh, in Arizona. I think Kessel is the type of player that fails to generate anything on his own where he needs that kind of support uh, beside him. And he just didn't get it in Arizona. It just didn't fit. So I think there's question marks there a little bit, um, which obviously doesn't help Taylor Hall make his decision if he wants to stay there or not. But I cannot see Taylor Hall staying there, uh, which even leads to more question marks for the team. So if I'm a Coyotes fan right now, I'm, I'm frustrated. 
apparently there's whispers that him and Hall do not get along. Well, Castle doesn't get along with anyone, so that doesn't surprise me. He would fight with Malcolm all the time on the bench. Do you know who has surprised me pretty decently this series for the Avalanche? Um, Kadri. Kadri. Kadri, yeah. And how, not to go back to Toronto, the Toronto Maple Leafs, but. That trade for Tyson Berry for Kadri, which was basically a ship out, even though Kadri's on like a four something million dollar contract. Yeah. Kadri's looking amazing. Like Avalanche completely destroyed that trade. Tyson Berry's not going to be re-signed with Toronto. So they basically gave Kadri to the Avalanche for nothing. There was more pieces to that though, wasn't there? Because Kerfoot also. The, the big the big two were Tyson Berry like, for Kadri. I, uh, and it's completely one sided. Like the Tyson Berry experiment in Toronto did not work. And Kadri's playing amazing for the Avalanche right now. Yeah, did, it, sorry, go ahead. Did they get the same Kadri that Toronto gave them though? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I think he went through some kind of transporter or something on his way. Kadri uh, didn't I don't want to talk about Toronto. <laughs> but he got bumped down to the third line when they signed Tavares. Yes. He's not a third line. He's better than a third line guy. He's he's on the border between a top six and a bottom six. But in a playoff game, when you need that grit, yeah, he's a top six player. Yeah. So, I think maybe he learned some lessons in Toronto, and because well, of those lessons, he plays better for. I, I think that is some of it because I I didn't see much of this series at all. So I I see Kadri in the score sheet, and I'm like, oh, but I didn't actually see any of the play away from the puck because Kadri, I think one of his big liabilities in Toronto was what he did away from the puck. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if that continued here, but I, I, I sense it didn't. And I sense he's got just a smarter head on his shoulders than he had before. And maybe it's the chemistry in the room and maybe it's the coach. I don't know. But uh, it's I think it's a great rebirth of a player that I thought was headed for the trash can. Yeah, And yeah. I thought it was a mercy trade at the time to, to help Toronto dump Codry and get rid of him. And I thought whoever takes this guy is, you know, Buying yeah. a pig and a poke, but but they got a good player. The thing that goes in his favor is he's not really that talented of a offensive hockey player. He's just really smart at being in the right place at the right time. Kind of like Brad Marchand. Like Brad Marchand is obviously better than Kadri, skill wise, and basically every other aspect of the ice. But Brad Marchand just knows where to be on the ice like all the time. He's very good at predicting plays. I think Kadri is in the same way. He. He just knows where to be at the right time in front of the net or at the side of the net. Mm-hmm. So uh, the fit in Colorado, because I think they needed someone like that. And he's, I mean, I don't like Kadri, but he's not afraid to throw his body around and and be nope. be a little rough. And that's kind of what got him in trouble sometimes in Toronto. But uh, that that's something that the Avalanche also need a little bit. So it's a really good fit for Colorado. Totally. Um with that said, they were playing a team that was much worse than them. Mm-hmm. The Dallas Stars potentially might play at the Colorado Avalanche level, but the Dallas Stars are extremely inconsistent as well. So that series actually is on right now, I believe, as we're filming this, the first game in that second round. So I'm really curious to see how Kadri will do against the Dallas Stars to see if he performs as good against Dallas as he did uh, Arizona. But, I mean, Avalanche looked good. Mm-hmm. This was mm-hmm. pretty much a slaughter for, for them. Anything else to say in that series? Nope. Nope. All right. Next next series that uh, we can regrettably talk about is the Flyers <laughs> defeating the Canadians in six games. Um, so we both, or all of us watched that game last night together, the elimination game. Predictable, I think. Uh, I filmed a video about this earlier, and it's releasing in an hour from now as we're filming this. So, so it will be out by the time it'll you be out by the time you see this. Yep. But I think the experience that the the younger talents on the Canadians got is unreplicable or irreplicable 
Uh, Did you see the Mark Bergman quote that came out today? I didn't. Okay, I have it here. I want you guys to give me a take on it. Mm-hmm. He said, backing up seven spots in the first round is well worth it for the experience we just got. We can get the same quality player at 16 as we can at nine. Uh, I agree with the first part of that sentence. I don't know if I agree with the... I mean, this draft is pretty deep, but I don't agree with the last half because you can't really predict the outcome of certain draft picks. I don't I don't know if number nine equals 16 on this draft. All right, let me, let me ask you this, Brent. Would you rather recreate everything you just had right now or have the ninth pick in the draft over the 16th without the experience? I'd rather have the experience. 100%. No question. Yeah. No question. Yeah, and, and I don't know if he's saying that ninth and 16th are interchangeable. I think he's I think he's saying... The whole package. A different thing of what you said, but, it, but the same flavor. You don't know. Right. You just don't know what you're getting. And frankly, after Alexander Daig and some other things in the deep, dark history, you don't know what you're getting with your number one either. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think if... You know, the, the, the team that, that thought they might get the number one pick uh, and tanked, and I don't think any of them did. I think they all no. tried. Mm-hmm. And then it turns out to be the Rangers who, who end up with the number one pick. Mm-hmm. Um, so you look at Toronto, because Toronto had a little bit of hope for a day or so after they were eliminated, that, oh, well, you know, we have a 12.5% chance, and didn't happen. It wouldn't have happened if it was Montreal either, I'm right. quite sure. So you would have been at number nine at best, and maybe 15 at worst, and now you're at 16 or whatever. So, look, I I think it's way better to have that experience, especially for the youngest guys, your Suzuki's, your Cook and Yemi's and Lek Lekin and mm. those guys to see that level of, of compete. Um, man, it's great. I was really hoping that Romanov might join the team because he signed the contract before the yeah. started. So I was hoping that he would have gotten in there to get some experience as well. But that's another really bright thing for Montreal is they have Romanov starting next year. If next year happens, that's a whole video for another time. But mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this series was frustrating, like just from a hockey perspective, really frustrating hockey to watch most of the time. Carey Price played lights out. He did. And Carter Hart played lights out for those two games and Montreal played like crap for two games. It was like extremely boring hockey to watch, but there were some, there were some fun moments of this series. So kind of glad it's over in a way though. It's cause I can actually just relax and watch <laughs> hockey and not worry about stuff. That's always a, it's always a relief day for me when Montreal either doesn't make the playoffs or gets knocked out as much as I want the Canadians to to go deep i only really want it when i know that they actually have a chance mm. for them to get out of this series with philly it might have happened but then they'd be looking at tampa, tampa or you know what are the chances and then after that it would probably be boston like how many times can you do this yeah and and this season not that many so i'm glad it's over in a sense because my blood pressure will be lower my heart rate will be lower <laughs> and my enjoyment factor will be higher exactly so i'm cool yeah, I'm cool with it. Um, did you know the Gallagher news? I did not until I read it in the notes here in our uh, notes done by the research department yeah, of Post to Post. In the middle here. I had no idea. I knew about the jaw, but not about the hip. Mm-hmm. So he's a little beat up right now. May as well read it. May as well read it. So we're, uh, Mark Bergman also said that Brendan Gallagher suffered a tear in one of his hips during the Pittsburgh series. Ouch. Which doesn't sound uh, very, very... Uh, Painless. Okay, I don't know. I can't think of the word, but it doesn't sound very good because uh, you, you use your hips to skate. Yep. So. Yeah, and a tear would be a soft tissue thing, so it's probably in some muscle in there deep. It would hurt every time he took a stride. Probably. Oh, yeah. So. And you'd never know with him. He would be, you know the Monty Python skit in the mm-hmm. Holy Grail where the knight is guarding. Yes. You know, and they cut one arm off, they cut the other, you know, basically at the end. The mount the, the the knight has no arms and no legs, and he's you know come back here you yeah. coward it's only <laughs> yeah. a flesh wound you know that's Gallagher, yeah I know Alain Vigneault was making fun of him 
like, oh, I didn't know his, his jaw was broken. Maybe he got hurt because he was on the bench, yap- on the bench yapping and going on and stuff, which let's, is a, a questionable. Let's wait. We'll get back. We'll get back. Yeah. To him, but you know. at the same time, dude was on the bench running his mouth with a broken jaw. <laughs> like any, I think he played some shifts after that as well. If oh, I'm yeah. Not mistaken. He finished the game. So uh, he's imp- impressive. He's a hockey player. He's a hockey player. If that was a basketball player, be crying. <laughs> yeah. R- rolling around on that squeaky floor. Or soccer, even worse. Oh yeah! Like, there's no amount of magic spray would have got a soccer player off the exactly. off the pitch. For sure. <laughs> yeah, he did great. Um, you, Jason, you want to read the next one? Um, Mark Bergevin also gave a, an update on Claude Julian today. I uh, said the latest news is that he's in good health, but it's early. Uh, heart attack, chest pains. It's not evidence what the future holds for him right now, and they're just going to take time to evaluate his health. So, um. Yeah, I guess it's not totally sure if he's coming back or not. Like Neil pretty much went into it last podcast, said you know, it's time for him to evaluate, you know, what's important for him and stuff. And if At it some, is a high stressful job, especially in that market. And, uh, you know, if he's got to think of his health, too. He's got a family. Mm-hmm. So um, do you think that Kirk Muller can coach this team full time? That's a question for you guys, not me. As a Bruins fan, what do you think? I don't know. I don't know enough about Kirk Muller. I... Uh, I'm okay with it personally. I'd rather get like he's been with the team. Give him a shot. See what see what happens next year. If it's not going well by the end middle middle was, of the season. Was there anything in this series that you thought he didn't do great in terms of like matchups or who he had on or because nothing really stuck out for me. But I don't know the team as well as you guys. Nothing really stuck out to me that uh, of anything that he faulted on or didn't do anything right. Uh, he he didn't mix up the lines a crazy amount. Like he probably like just that. carried so on the plan that Julian had. Pretty much, they, and they play the same style of hockey. I assume he'll mix things. If I mean, if he's if he starts playing this team or coaching this team next year, mm-hmm. he'll probably put his own spin on things. Right. I would assume. I would love to see Gerard Glant come to Montreal, but obviously he can't because his French isn't very good. But you never yeah, know. It's probably better than Kirk Mullers, but it's, it's better than Kirk Mullers. Yeah. But uh, and that's the big that's the big challenge in Montreal. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be opposed to Montreal bringing in a different coach, depending on the coach. But yeah. So if Julian does not come back, do you think that uh, Muller cannot take over because he does not speak French, even though he kind of had a little bit of playoff success? I. I think what the media, the French media thinks and maybe what the French fan base thinks might be two different things. Mm-hmm. I think the French media insists on having their contact with a French speaking coach. Yep. The French fan base, if they're anything like I think they are, they just want to win. Yes. They just want to win. And yeah, having a coach that that explains to them in French why they didn't win is probably not what they want. Yes, exactly. They want to win. And they'd re- and they the they'd be okay with the explanation in either of the two official languages. Um, look, you could keep Julian around and keep him in hockey operations or something, so he's not on the bench every day with the heart mm. pumping away. Um, so you could keep him on the team and keep him close by. Kirk Muller, I think, would be an exceptional leader, an exceptional coach. He was the captain of the Montreal Canadiens when they won the cup the last time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's at least we have people that are still alive that were on the team when they last <laughs> won the cup, unlike other teams. Um, but I, I think it's really, really tough. I fully understand the uniqueness of the market in Montreal, but there's also a lot of French speaking talent out there that's available maybe, but then there's a lot of other French speaking talent that would be available if they wanted to dare try that market, but they're not interested at all in having anything to do with Montreal and being in the pressure cooker, Yep. no matter how good they would be. So at some point you have to decide how many years do you need to lose satisfying all these little demographic check boxes yes. 
And when do you actually want to turn the page? Not that there isn't a French-speaking coach out there that, that can't coach them. Mm-hmm. But you go back into the 1970s, Scotty Bowman coaching them, Toe Blake coaching them. Mm-hmm. They were hired and they, they did well because they were good at what they did. Exactly. And I think Kirk Muller was good at what he did too in this series. I don't think, usually when you see a coach erroring, it's because it's when you see a lot of too many men in the ice penalties and yeah. bad changes and stuff like that. I don't think you saw a lot of that with this No, I think team. one of the things I like about Kirk Muller is that he's, had, he's very level-headed and doesn't go overboard emotionally or anything like that. He's very calm for the most part. So Yeah, his answer on just on putting out the, the big line in, in the 5 nothing game, that Montreal dominated and Kirk Muller put out his best power play unit late in the game. Mm -hmm. And he was criticized by Vigneault about that. And, you know, like, Oh, you're just trying to shame us, you know, on a day when we were having a bad game. Muller said, no, like you say, he was very level headed. No, that's not what we're trying to do. We don't get to practice. We need our guys to be as good as they can be. And if this is a bit of practice time for that top line, that's what it's going to be. We're not trying to shame anybody. Five nothing's good enough. Exactly. And he's hundred percent right. Yes, yeah, it's, yep. it's truth. It's truth. I mean, we talked about that last week. Like, absolutely, that's the right call. Totally. Yep. All right. Next series, Islanders defeat Capitals in five games. Whoa! Uh, a little surprised by this one. Yeah. Raise your hand if you were wrong by the length of this series. Or if you were predicting, I didn't think it would be a down on five. I thought it would be seven. Yeah, seven. Like I thought it was honestly, I thought it was going seven. I did predict the Islanders to win, but not in five games. Like, this is, I don't know. I don't think the Washington Capitals players were just emotionally invested in this year. I don't, mm. I don't know. I just, I just don't, I just don't think they were feeling it. Uh, Hopi's on his, you know, we, we might've just saw Hopi plays last game as a, as a capital, which is sad. Yep. So I don't know. There's question marks in, in Washington and obviously the Islanders, Washington won two years ago. So they know what it's like to win. It wasn't, that wasn't that long ago. The Islanders don't know what it's like to win so they were a little bit more hungry and i think that fed them pretty good this series so um, and if some revenge barry trotts getting his revenge which was great um yeah like i just and not that it, even he probably thought of it that way but for him to win this time yeah against the team that he got the cup with two years ago and he wanted to stay with them they just wouldn't pay him yeah 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 that's why for instance i will always uh be negatively disposed towards Washington and I will always be negatively disposed towards Florida because I think they make right. bad coaching management decisions yep. and they should pay the price forever. So uh, obviously your opinion is a little biased here because he's, he's your brother, but is Barry Trotz <laughs> your favorite coach in the NHL? Um, f- putting family aside. No, <laughs> <laughs> nice try. Nice try. I know people accuse us of being related, Yeah, but I think you can tell we're not because I have a neck. <laughs> oh. interesting yeah but he's got a Stanley Cup ring that's right and you I know. would trade him in a minute yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay next series stars defeat the Flames in six ga- six games this was uh specifically that last game was just a weird game and I'm sure if, I'm not sure if you guys watched that game I didn't but it was very strange Flames that was the, that was the, that was the three nothing and then just unreal and in that game for Dallas guess who didn't get any points Tyler Sagan Jamie Ben, Radulov. Yep. None of them got points. Wow. Of those seven goals. That's something. So it was a workhorse win. What if they had shown up? Would it have been 11 3? Yeah. Like. Well, yeah, I even have the. Gurionov had five points. Yeah, high school four, Pavelski with three. Like getting contributions from depth players. Corey Perry looks pretty good. That's how you win a cup. That's You win cups with these depth, with these depth players. So 
if Dallas can have these depth players like this show up in this next series against the Avalanche and have the big boy step up, it's going to be a really good series. But did, Dallas cannot win this next series if only the depth players show up. They did need you the have the stars too. to win the series? Uh, I th- I was like, I have no idea what's going to happen in this series. Flames in seven. I think I had Calgary too. Yeah, I I didn't know. I was cheering for Dallas, but... <laughs> I'm kind of... Yeah, what's going on here? This is not right, but... <laughs> I'm torn, yo. It's a tradi- different the different conferences, so it's okay right now. It's a tra- tradition for you to wear that hat in the yes. podcast now. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that's I don't know. It's I feel the exact same way about Dallas after that first series as I did before it started. Like I have no idea what Dallas team's going to show up. They're so inconsistent. And you can see Kachuk up in the like press box because mm-hmm. he's hurt. Yep, and just he just goes like that, and turns around, and walks away. From I the know. Camera. Just and he knew it was over. I mean. It ca- if you're a Flames fan out there and you're listening or watching, I can't imagine how frustrated you are because Lucic taking that stupid penalty in the yes. game, the classic Lucic. The like, TSN turning point. The TSN turning point. And then you've got uh, Johnny Gaudreau, who is an extreme liability on the team. He just gifts the puck away all the time. He's a magician with the puck, but he's just constantly turning it over. And he's received that criticism for a long time. It, it's not wrong at this point. Like, he's... It's just not working. So I don't know if he requests a trade. I don't know if Calgary can trade him. If they do trade him, they're not going to get the return they no. would have got on him versus two years ago. It's so hard. It's going to be so hard to trade people that are especially with the cap. of that caliber, of that money, with the cap situation we have now. Yeah, it's going to be extremely difficult. So if I'm a Flames fan, I'm honestly probably a bit worried. Um, so mm-hmm. oh, yeah. and, and then there's the question marks the net because they didn't receive strong goaltending. Yep. So... I don't know. I, I feel bad for Flames fans, to be honest. Next series, Canucks defeat the Blues in six games. Last series. So that this game ended last night. Last night for us, because it's a Saturday. Yep. Um, I was very impressed with how good Vancouver looked. I There are a couple of teams that can cycle the puck as good as Vancouver. I thought they were fast. I thought they cycled Unbelievable. Well. I thought their passes were hard and on point. Um, there was passes between legs like it was just like and behind them and like it's been a long time since i've seen a team do that successfully i was buying what they were selling big time and it wasn't even just puck like puck passes to to other sticks it was positionally a left defenseman who's typically on the left side of the blue line in the offensive end he's behind the net like it's just like it was like a big circus Mm -hmm. or a synchronized swimming event or something it was just all predictable and planned and stuff yeah. it just like they just knew they knew where their it was unbelievable their people were gonna you know, be you know those birds that kind of like all dance together in the sky like it just looks like a big yeah. it kind of reminded me of that like it just they just flowed so nicely they it's had, been a long time since i've seen a, te- a team cycle the puck that well they had offensive zone presence five on five that looked like a five on three power play yeah and those are very important skills especially in the second and fourth periods of a game because your offensive bench is right next to the offensive zone. Hmm. Not only if you can cycle the puck well, you can also get line changes in at the same time. Um, and I don't know if they did any of that. I have seen it in the past, and it's amazing when it happens. But I don't, I don't even know which goal it was that I watched. But I did watch much of the game and some of the highlights. But there was that one passing play where there was like 11 passes or something, and it was crisp, stick, tape to tape, mm-hmm. bang, 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 and then it was just in. And probably any of the three previous receivers of the past could have taken a shot and yeah. it would have been in. But they were just That's throwing incredible. it around. It looked like the Harlem Globetrotters. It really it did. It was, it was awesome. I was very impressed. Yeah, I think a big yeah. mistake for St. Louis here was the love for Bennington. Oh, totally. And his performance last year versus the hot goalie of what's going on right now, which is Allen. 
I mean, Pinchkin let in some soft goals in that game, and the game just got away from them. I they told had, you, I told you this last night. I yeah. cannot believe he started that game. I know, me either. I was blown away. Uh, me, I was, I was astounded. Over five, yeah, over five. And the Allen's numbers. I think he was one point eight six goals against average, three or nine point three nine goals uh, save percentage or whatever. And we're not even saying that because he's from Fracton. Shout yeah, out, Fracton. He's my favorite player. Okay, he is. But still, statistically, he's a better goalie right now. Why would you not play him? Yeah, like it's uh, frustrating. Very frustrating. I think that was a big coaching flop. I think I should have wrote this down. I think Bington's numbers were like his save percentage was like 0.85 something, 856, something like that. The, the worst save percentage of all the goalies. Ouch. And, and you are you are the Stanley Cup winning goalie. You need to win this and you yeah. need to win this game. Like you this is an elimination game. Like we talked earlier about Kirk Miller making bad coaching decisions. Like this was a bad coaching decision to not have Allen start that game. Absolutely. And after the second goal, I was like, are they gonna pull him? Like, are they going to let this get away? Are they going to pull him? Nope. Third goal? Nope. Fourth goal? It's over. It's I too know. late. You're, yeah, <laughs> too late. You're, yeah, you're changing it out. It's too late. Yeah. It's, I, I'm I'm blown away, really. But I'm happy because we're not going to see another team win back-to-back. Like, like, I, it's, I'm not upset that St. Louis is out because they just won. Yes. So it's, that's it's exactly. fine. They'll be okay. Yeah. They'll be fine. They know what it is. <laughs> yes. They're fans. You're good. Yeah. And uh, Vancouver's Canadian team, obviously. We are Canadian. It's nice to see a Canadian team move on. The only Canadian team to move yeah, on, as it turns out. So I'm going to be cheering very hard for Vancouver, not only because they're a Canadian team, because I genuinely like a lot of players on the team. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're a fun team to watch. They're a very fun team to watch. They're, there's not really anyone on the team that I strongly dislike. And I love Travis Green. I think he's an amazing coach and a person. So mm-hmm. there's a lot to love in Vancouver right now. And the city is due. They were there against the Boston. They burned that juggernaut. place to the ground. <laughs> and, they were, and they were there in 94 against the Rangers. Yeah. And they just ran into these massive juggernauts of teams. And they may again, but I'd love to see them in the final and, totally. and do it this time. Yeah. They were the last Canadian team other than Ottawa a couple of years ago to go all the way. Yeah. Um, I guess Ottawa didn't even go all the way. They made it to nope. conference finals. Mm-hmm. So Vancouver was, I think, the last Canadian team to go. But this is a different play. Vancouver team, too. This is a young Vancouver team, like, compared to the team that played Boston, had the Sedins and all that. Like, yeah. It's just it's a, a different, totally different it's team. It's a different team, like, a lot. Like, they're going to get better. That's the thing. Yeah, they're going to get better. And we just made a video, like, maybe less than two years ago, when the Sedins announced their retirement. Like, that wasn't that long ago no. that we made that video. No. And we, in the video, we, we we thought, okay, well, you know, the team's, look at the team now. They've got a lot of talent. It's gonna, like in five years, this team's going to be really good. It's less than two years away, and this team looks way better than I thought they would in five years at this point. So, man, I feel I feel really good. Uh, if, I was a, if, if, if I was a Canucks fan, I'd feel really good. Speaking of the Canucks and people who've departed, I just have to say for 10 seconds how impressed I've been with Kevin Bieksa on the telecast in Canada. He's amazing. And seeing him as a player, I just thought he was a, I won't say a goon, but I just thought he was... Jackass! <laughs> not a thinking man. Yes. But his analysis on these games, on the panels he's been on, has been absolutely on point. He's excellent. And I'm, I am I apologize for all the bad thoughts I had about Kevin Biaxa before I saw, saw him on TV. He's amazing. He's, I, like, I like Elliot. Like, I think Elliot's amazing. But Kevin BX is my new favorite sports. Oh, he's got a different personality for sure. He's awesome. Even just the little things like his, they had the split cameras last night and Ron kept sticking his hand in front of his, and he's just like, pretends like he's dodging the hand (laughs) on the single screen. (laughs) And there's a picture that, um, who tweeted it? I think it might've been that, um, Anthony Stewart. 
Stewart tweeted yeah. it, where Kevin Biesa is sitting on a chair and he's got his head into the chair and his legs sticking straight up in there. Do a handstand or whatever. And Brian Burke's on the chair eating some sort of like noodle salad thing, and then <laughs> Ron McLean is way down the hallway looking like, "What the freak going on down there?" It's like, awesome. Yeah, BX, uh, BX is a he's he's a good personality to have on the show for sure. Mm-hmm. He's great. He's when, great. when I think about Kevin BX, uh, I think about that time that um, Alain Vigneault was coaching. I don't remember what team. But someone did an impression of BX. They're like, and Alain Vigneault started to laugh. Like, he couldn't, <laughs> he couldn't lost stop it, laughing. Yeah. Did you see that clip? Yeah, oh, I don't. Yeah. I don't think well, I did. Oh, we'll it's so funny. Show you. We'll have to show you. <laughs> someone skates by the thing, yeah, like this, <laughs> and then Vigneault just like covering his face, and the the, the, the the people in the crowd behind the bench are just like laughing like crazy because he can't stop laughing. Yeah, he was almost crying laughing. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Uh, All right, good stuff. What were we talking about? All right, the Canucks and Blues. So. Uh, next on the list is Evgeny Malkin. Yeah, surgery. He went. He had left elbow surgery. Ouch. Performed at UPMC Presbyterian Hospital by team uh, physician Dr. Darmesh. Darmesh, yeah. Darmesh. Darmesh VS. And Dr. John Fowler of UPMC Shoulder and Elbow Orthopedic Surgery. So I believe that was a, a very successful surgery. So I don't know what his timeline is to come back. So don't know. I don't know if they've said yet. That was that was really early in the week that came out. I think like yeah, Monday or Tuesday. Uh, but at least uh, at least he's getting fixed up. Now the big news of the week. <laughs> so last week, our, I think I titled the podcast. What was it called? Something about um, uh, broadcaster so, taking heat. Yes, or under fire or something like that. Yeah, or, yeah. Uh, we were ahead of the game by a week, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, we've we've had another. Incident and this incident has resulted in more than just people talking. It's it's resulted in action being taken. Yeah. So why don't you go ahead and? So during the final <coughs> Islanders and Capitals game, Mike Murray was having a conversation uh, on air with the play-by-play guy. I forget his name. Doesn't really matter. Uh, about the players being in the bubble, and Milbury chimed in and said something along the lines of, "And there aren't any women here to distract them." So in roughly fifteen words, he insulted the gender of men. And the gender of females. So he's insulted both genders in 15 words with just a stupid comment. Like, I'm not offended by it. I didn't think, of all the things he've said, I didn't think this one was that bad. Obviously, it's not appropriate. No, it's not appropriate. But I didn't think it was that bad. Like, it's like, he said so many stupid things now, I just expect him to say stupid things. Exactly. Like, yeah, okay, he objectified women. Like, he called the Sedins Thelma and Louise. Yes. (laughs) And he said that the Voinov situation where he beat his wife or he did something to yeah. his wife or whatever he said an unfortunate event or something like there's more to that story but he objectified women he made men look like single-minded idiots just a stupid thing to say yeah but i think that this was just the last straw people were just tired of him being an idiot on on camera and just tired of his hockey opinion in general he's a bully he's a bully he, he's, he's, he's not a nice guy no he's no. not he's no. a d-bag justin was on this podcast last year i believe and he t- he told his encounter meeting Mike Milbury, I think. Yeah, I, I encouraged Justin earlier today to, because we were talking back and forth on Twitter, uh, Justin told that story on videos on my channel back in the day, and he's told it on the podcast, and I encouraged him to make his, a standalone video on it, so I believe he's already recorded or released that, or he's going to release it soon, um, of his experience meeting Mike Milbury. Do you know that story? I did hear it. I don't remember the details, but the, I remember hearing it. The short story is I think he, Mike Milbury, threw a chocolate bar in a flower pot. Yeah, he threw garbage like in... He was, was in a was mall. It was it in a mall or something? I'm not sure. I think it was a hotel lobby or something. Maybe. Yeah. I, they were sitting on a bench or something, and there was like those big plant things, and he just threw his garbage in there. Yeah. Anyways, he's a he's an idiot. Yeah. I have absolutely no use for Mike Mulberry. But it escalated. So the NHL released a statement. They did. They and released. as soon as I said to Neil, 
NHL released a statement. I actually read it to him. He said, that's it. That's all you said to me. That's, that's it. it. He done. He done. That's like, that's it. So the National Hockey League condemns the insensitive and insulting comment that Mike Murray made uh, during last night's broadcast. And we've communicated our feelings to NBC. So that's not good. <laughs> communicated if, our feelings is a funny if, term. If the product your company represents or broadcasts, if their head honchos are calling your boss yep. to say they're not happy with you, it's not looking good for you. No, not at all. Um, it says the comment did not reflect the NHL's values and commitment to making our game more inclusive and welcoming to all. Because, yeah, I don't imagine that the whatever percentage of women that watch hockey appreciated that comment. Nope. I I, I personally thought it made men look worse than women, but I can understand how women would definitely be insulted mm-hmm. by that. Uh, it was just a stupid thing to say. Totally stupid thing to say. Um, his comments actually, <laughs> there, there was already a fire, hashtag fire Milbury uh, hashtag on Twitter that was trending before. And from his Seattle <laughs> from, CN Tower emerged the, yeah. oh, yeah. the, the week before. That tweet is still amazing. I love that. He tweet. deleted it. That's unbelievable. He deleted the tweet. So w- we were wrong last week because we were theorizing so it that wasn't maybe on it was purpose. a troll. It wasn't on purpose. He's just an idiot. So anyways, that, that <laughs> hashtag came back up. Fire, hashtag fire Milbury. Um, it was thousands of women and, and men uh, got that going. And uh, basically today, or this afternoon, Milbury made his public uh, statement saying, in light of the attention caused by my recent remark, I have decided to step away from my role at NBC Sports for the remainder of the Stanley Cup playoffs. I do not want my presence to interfere with the athletes as they try to win the greatest trophy in sports. So he's stepping away, but has taken zero accountability for what he said. And from what I have read, he has not stepped away voluntarily. He was told to step away. And this is just like a safe face thing. I I think that he was told to step away and then he'll just fade away in the offseason. Like the they will let him go or they will fire him, but it's not going to be Do so you think he's done? I think he's done. You think he's gone? He, he's hundred percent done. He's he's done. I don't know if I take that bet. Really? Yeah. I'll bet you right now. What do you want Ooh. what do you want to bet? Ooh, here we go. Um Like I'm not confident in my bet. Like I'm not like you're like a hundred percent. I'm not a hundred percent. I'm just saying I'm not convinced that I, I'll take a bet and the bet is the loser has to chug a bottle of soda or pop you know how, how it gets your eyes all watery what your about, eyes all watery and stuff how about a can a can a pop okay and you not can't, of soda of pop you have to do it as fast as you can okay and it's going to own you okay and the um, heartburn will be real the heartburn will be real okay we'll do it so when does this end by next season as soon as next season starts if he's a broadcaster I will I will chug the all right so say if he doesn't come back, and I chug it, and then they bring him back a couple months in, you have to chug it too. Deal? Okay, deal. <laughs> deal. <laughs> and it only works for next season. Okay. After, if they if he goes a year off and comes back, that doesn't count. All right, sounds good. Okay. What do you think, Dad? I think he's done, but I, I, I'm not in, the, in a bet mode. <laughs> I don't want to back that up with any chugging, but I All do right. think he's done. If he's not, then he should be done. I think there's a lot of things happening in sports broadcasting right now. For all kinds of reasons, whether it's Black Lives Matter or just recent developments and people popping off and saying stupid things, I think you're going to see a bigger change in the broadcasting crews of a lot of networks Mm -hmm. and a lot of sports. And I think this is a good time for NBC to hit the flush lever Mm -hmm. on this one because they probably want to make other changes anyway. And there's so many other qualified people to be out there talking. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, we are amateurs. We are complete amateurs. We are lower than amateurs. So if we say something like that, it's almost expected because we are amateurs and we're idiots. He's a professional. He's a former hockey player. He's a former coach. He's a former GM. 
And now he's in the media as a professional. It's not really expected for those people in those positions to say stupid crap like that. How is he the most qualified person to be in the position? Like, there's got to be uh, loads of people who could step in. See, apparently, if you're friendly with him, he's a nice guy. Because if you listen to the 31 Thoughts podcast, uh, Merrick and Friedman both love the guy to death. They say he's excellent. And I'm just like, what? Uh, he doesn't give that impression to everyone else. That's what I mean. So yeah. I think maybe if you're his peer or something above his peer, maybe he's great to you. But maybe. if you're something under that... There was even theories, conspiracy theories being started that he actually had dirt on one of the NBC reps or like, you know, someone Man, above there's, him. There's a conspiracy theory about everything like, now. Yeah, there is. So here's my question. Now, that if he is gone, does the Boston guy become the number one most hated broadcaster? Jack Edwards? All? Yeah. Absolutely. I don't think he's has done anything that would require him to be his position to be vacated. But he becomes but, the unofficial most hated guy or uh, broadcaster in absolutely. all of NHL. And he's also employed by NBC. Oh, uh, no, wait. He's no, not, he's not. Sorry. No. He's NBC is... He's Nesson. Yeah. He, he crap talks NBC all the time because he doesn't think NBC should be able to take over their I, games. I wonder if the NHL will uh, affect... What was the term? Uh, I wonder if, if the NHL will communicate their feelings to Nesson. <laughs> Uh, in, in the future about Jack Edwards. See, here's what I have to say about that. I think Jeremy Jacobs has more power than Gary Bettman. Uh, I actually agree with that. So I don't think anything's going to happen to Boston unless well, Jacobs is okay with it. NBC could make a decision to not carry that as a national feed. Nesson would love that. Would they? Yeah. Jack, Jack Edwards is out all talking all the time about how when Nesson takes over their games, they, he hates it. Hmm. Because they bring in their own crews. He doesn't get to, to speak for them. Well, the, I don't care what happens, but the least amount of Jack Edwards I have to experience, the better. So whatever direction that that needs I, to be I in, still have I, to listen to him quite a bit. Yeah, you do. But like I, I've heard Jack Edwards a lot, and I I get that he's a homer, and I get that Jen Rett's a homer in Buffalo, and I get that the scratch-me-silly-Sydney scratch guy is a homer in Pittsburgh or whatever. <laughs> They're... And 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 Holy Mackinac is a homer in Toronto. Like, I, I forget yeah. his name. I, all these names, but I think there's a place for that in hockey. I think there's a place for that in everyone's local market, and and they need access to that, whether it's radio or TV. I agree. I know in Montreal when I was living there, I would often watch the game on TV and listen to it on the radio at the same time. Right. If I preferred the radio announcer better than the TV announcer, harder to do that now with sync and internet yes. and and online, but it's not impossible, just harder. Um, when I see a national broadcast, I think it's just not as good. I just think it's watered down. Mm -hmm. And and I know that they're doing a national broadcast because they don't want to seen see they don't want to be seen to be favoriting one team's base over another. But I would rather have the choose between either of the local broadcasts and watch what I want mm -hmm. than a stupid national yeah. broadcast. I agree that that tries to be fair and isn't fair. Like especially in Canada, you get Jim Houston on there. Uh, he's going to call. He's the thing is he's he's a Vancouver Homer masquerading as a national broadcaster. <laughs> Chris Cuthbert might be the same thing. Gary Galley's with Ottawa. Oh, like, it's terrible. And and I won't just dis disagree that Danny Gallivan was a Montreal Homer. Right. In the Montreal market in the seventies when he was calling games on national TV as well. But of course, being a Montreal fan, I thought it was awesome. <laughs> but still, I like I like the idea of a, a home flavor. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, and some teams have amazing home home guys. I think Dallas. I love Dallas as an answer. I always forget his name. It's like Razor, 
something. I can't. What about the Buffalo announcer? I like him. Rick it's Jenner, just like, but... no! Yeah. It just, it's another goal in Palmenville, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I like him. It's just, I, well. It's a, yeah, for the same reason of Jack Overs. Yeah. It gets exhausting almost listening to the homerism a little bit, if that's a word. And then what he did last week was just like. Yeah. And what I'm used to with homers, in, in my circumstance, Montreal is such a more elevated knowledge base of hockey. And I, it's not the only city. Toronto's that way too, and and, and probably Pittsburgh and others, but. In Montreal, and Neil will know this, listening to um, Dan Robertson doing the radio broadcast, and he's got uh, whoever his color guy is on a given day, they are very critical of Montreal when Montreal does something bad. Mm -hmm. They're not going to overlook a penalty or overlook a a stupid pass by Jonathan Drouin. They're going to call it stupid, which which I think that goes with my appreciation of what a Mm -hmm. Homer broadcast should be. Mm The radio guy in Montreal used to, on CJAD, I can't remember his name. Man, I wish I could think of it. Um, He was so good as a radio guy. And he's since moved to TV. And now he's the Montreal Canadiens home broadcaster. I can't remember his name. He's very good. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I know who you mean. You know know who I mean. But But, but he was gains the line guy, right? Yes. Everybody gains the line. I don't like gaining the line. He gains the line, yeah. yeah. But see, Dan Robertson is radio now. Yes. And prior to Dan, it'll come to me. Just let, yeah. let me go for a while. No worries. Um, <laughs> but speaking of of Montreal, if we can transition to this next topic, a good segue. The Alain Avignon comments where he defended uh, Matt's, Matt Niskanen's hit as a hockey play, which resulted in a broken jaw. <laughs> so <clears throat> on Wednesday night during the Flyers versus Canadians game five, Matt Niskanen cross-checked Brennan Gallagher in the head, causing him to break his jaw. So prior to the injury announcement, Vigneault defended the cross-check as a hockey play. The NHL player safety disagreed and handed Niskanen a one-game suspension. Before we get any further, do you think one game was enough? I do. Like, I'm a Montreal fan, and I think it. Uh, some part of me wants the, the penalty to be proportional to the injury. If it takes Brendan Gallagher six weeks to come back, then mm-hmm. the suspension should take the same time. Like, there's a little bit of me that believes that. But basically, when I saw the play itself happen, I've seen a lot of plays like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Brendan Gallagher just happened to be bloodied by it and looks like he was missing some teeth maybe. But that's all I thought it was. Um, I was probably okay with the one game. Is this a two game to you in the regular season? I think this is probably a four or five in the regular Ooh. season. Ooh. And uh, I Niskanen is arguably their best defenseman. I would have liked to see him gone for the rest of the series. I was hoping for two games. I thought one was, was a little... A little less. I would have liked to see two. I, some people are calling for five. I think that's too much. You're not getting five. That's, in the that's way too much. I think two is totally fine. I, I think Niskanen was frustrated. Um, I don't think it was as malicious as people thought, though. Brennan Gallagher is a short man, and he was even shorter in that certain certain situation because he was kind of bent down. So I don't think that. I think Niskanen was pissed off because of what happened earlier, you know, ten seconds prior or whatever. But I don't think Neskina was trying to break his jaw or cause him injury or setting him up. So I don't. I'm glad he got a suspension. I would have liked to. So um, anyway, uh, Gallagher did have surgery last night. I don't know if you guys heard that or not. But he did nope. have surgery last night, um, and he is on the way home to um, British Columbia for recovery. So uh, let me skip down here. So Eric Engels of Sportsnet had this to say. Only in this league can a boarding minor 
trumped up to a to a major and a game misconduct because the victim of the hit suffered a small cut equate to a cross check that causes someone to trip uh, causes causes someone a trip to the dentist and one to the doctor for procedure that endures that ensures they'll be drinking uh, their food through a straw for the foreseeable future. So he's referencing in the first part of that sentence is the Kotkaniemi hit that got him ejected for the rest of the game and caused I can't remember the player he hit, but he had a cut on his yeah whatever. They kind of ended in the same result. Like Kotkaniemi was gone for a game. He already played some of that game, obviously, but he was gone for the game. Niskanen's play, which <laughs> resulted in a broken jaw and Gallagher eating through a, a tube or a straw, basically for weeks to come, he only got a game for that. And they're compl- like injury wise, it's a small cut versus a potentially life changing injury with a broken jaw or whatever. So when you look at it that way, it is definitely frustrating that Niskan yeah. only got one game. No, um, so Eric Engels made a good point there. Uh, but anyways, just fans in general had a, had high criticism for the NHL player safety after it would only be one game, and not just Montreal Canadiens fans. I saw like fans from other teams on Twitter and stuff heavily criticizing NHL player safety. So. I don't think it was just Canadians fans that mm-hmm. uh, were disappointed. So Vigneault later made a statement uh, on the matter. He said, "You don't like, sorry, you don't like to see any players get injured. There's no doubt. But at the end of the day, I can only state the facts. And the facts, and the fact was that Gallagher got up and he didn't shut up for five minutes. <laughs> if, if the Montreal medical staff thought it was serious, they would have taken him out. Uh, and then he took it, uh, took it up a notch in French, and it basically translates to." I don't know if he aggravated his injury through force of speaking to us and the officials. I'm not a doctor. I can't say. What I can say is I commented on what I saw. I saw a guy who got up and his jaw didn't stop moving for five minutes. This was said prior to the game that just happened last night. And actually, I totally understand that. I, I kind of do as well. When I was watching too, like I, okay, I saw the blood and I saw him looking at the ref and, and you know, yeah. no, didn't you see what just happened there? But he did not look or act like a man that was in any distress. Mm-hmm. He looked like a guy who couldn't wait to get back out in the ice and and continue to do his job. So it wasn't apparent to me, as a viewer, for sure, obviously not apparent to the officials on the ice, that this was anything more than a a bad hit. And Gallagher goes down all the time. Yes. Gallagher that's... is, not that, not that he's faking anything. He's just, he doesn't have good balance when he's his out there. Gravity is does not. His center of gravity favor. is way too high. I mean, he's an, he's on his butt all the time because that's the way he plays. He's mm-hmm. a hard charging guy, and he's almost always going to fall down in, in the course of something. Totally. And there he was again. And I didn't think it was a big deal at the time. And I'm a I'm a huge Montreal fan, probably mm-hmm. the biggest one you've ever met. But but I try to be a realist about it. And I love Brendan Gallagher. And the thing also about the comment is it's a little insensitive, it's a little harsh, but it's also gamesmanship. Like he's Absolutely. trying to get in the heads of Montreal Canadiens totally. players and the, and the coaches. Like that's that's part of it. Like that's that's what makes it interesting. So I I have no problem with I don't have any here. problem with what Vigneault no. said, frankly. Uh so that basically wraps up that unless Jason has anything to add there. I do not. All right, you can you can tackle this next one, Jason. Okay, so Alan Walsh, who is the agent for the uh, most, Marc-Andre Fleury. The most out, well-known, probably, agent. He, he put out a tweet today, and I put the picture on the next page if you want to look at it. Okay. So I'll put this on the screen or something. If you're Ooh. if you're, uh, if you're listening, I'll try to describe it. So basically, it's a picture of Fleury and Ned. He's stopping the puck, and he has a giant sword going through his back. And where it comes out in the front, there's blood dripping from it, and it has DeBoer's name on the sword. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Mike Halford on TSN put this on Twitter for some context. He said, Fleury is in the first year of a three-year, $21 million deal. DeBoer is in the first year of his four-year deal. Leonard, the other goalie who is playing, is a UFA. 
and Vegas starts a series tomorrow or today, depending on when this comes out. Comes uh, to today, I guess. Yeah. Sunday, yeah. Yeah. So kind <laughs> of intense when you're getting geared up to start another series and your agents putting stuff like that on. I don't think Flurry approved that tweet. Flurry's a teammate. He's a he's a the the perfect example of someone that you want to have on your team. He's yes. a no drama guy. He's a Patrice Bergeron. He is. He's the Patrice Bergeron of goalies. Yes, he is. You think he's gonna want his his agent to do something like this and cause disruption? No, Mark Andre Fleury is a god. He's a legend. He's not gonna want to cause any disruptions with his teammates. So I think this was not smart on the mm-hmm. agent to do this. So I think the team <clears throat> realized that. And 20 minutes before we started this podcast, Elliot Friedman had a tweet. So fresh. It's not going to be fresh by the time you listen to this, though. <laughs> and apparently, um, according to several sources that he talked to, the Golden Knights met with it, Flurry, and are satisfied that this tweet will not be an issue as they chase Stanley Cup. And then Flurry is going to address the media on Sunday, which will be today when you're listening to this. Like, it's different if Leonard had terrible numbers. I mean, I have the numbers and, there. And wasn't if, performing. If you want to read them. like Oh, yeah, you do. If you go by the stats... And this is what people in the comments were saying online. If you go by the stats, they're close, but they, DeBoer is going with the goalie who has technically the better stats. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, Leonard's save percentage is 904. Fleury is 886. Uh, one, uh, Leonard's played 15. Oh, sorry. 15 <coughs> goals against. Okay, I'm reading the wrong stats here. <laughs> Six games played for Leonard and two for Fleury. I mean, they're close, but. Leonard has 15 goals against, but he's also played three more or four, four more games than than Fleury. Yeah, and these like Fleury's numbers aren't aren't bad. No, but they're they're not great. But I do the same thing. I'd start Leonard. I mean, he hasn't lost. He's two and zero. The thing about Fleury is, even Vegas fans Vegas fans can admit this. He can be inconsistent in playoff games. He was amazing for Vegas all the way through the playoffs, and then they faced Washington, and he struggled a little bit. He just has a bit of a reputation of maybe failing in big moments. So, Leonard is younger. He's arguably the better goalie, potentially, and that's a big argument. I think Marc-Andre Fleur is more agile. Um, Leonard, Leonard's probably better positionally. But I'm, I do the same thing. I'd go with the... I'd go with the... I'd go with Leonard. He's, even, he if he's, even if he's not, quote, your guy? Even if he's not, quote, the guy. I want to win. I don't Th- care this who's is, on my team. I want to is... win. Almost like the Jake Allen situation. Almost. Except for Jake Allen's numbers were better. Like yeah. by more than this. Way, way better. Way better. So I'm I I'm fine. I don't like agents doing that kind of crap. A- that agent is uh save that for the off season. Yeah. Right. Poo head. You can go back to uh twenty ten with Price and Halak. Yep. You know, you've got your golden boy and then you've got the guy who's actually performing right now. And, and, and I think they traded Halak after that season. Yeah. Like they knew that Halak wasn't going to be part of that team long term, but they still went with him anyway because he was the hot goalie. That's right. So it's all about winning, and this this is very unhelpful. I don't know what kind of uh, clauses you could ever put in someone's contract that tells their agent STFU. Yeah, really. Eh? But uh, it'd be nice if there was something like that because mm-hmm. that can't happen. Totally. Yeah. All right. I don't know what's all left on the sheet. You you added all this stuff. Okay. So I don't know if we need to get into this. I think this has been long enough. Probably. Do you, you want to skip that one? Yeah. We can get into this some other time. This is a generic one. Okay. Um, all we can do, we'll finish this up by giving our predictions for this upcoming set of series. Oh, snap. Prediction time. And we, got, we got the GOAT here, so <clears throat> may as well get some GOAT predictions. All right. So the first series filled off in the Islanders. GOAT, what you saying? GOAT is saying Islanders. I say Islanders in six. What's uh, 
I'm feeling six Islanders in six. Wow. I got to go Philadelphia. They, I predicted them in my bracket to go all the way. So, I think uh, based on their Montreal series, I don't think Philly's as hot as I thought they were going to be. That's exactly what I was thinking. I saw a lot of gaps and deficiencies in Philly's game yeah. that if I you, think the Islanders can you, exploit. If you take that Montreal series out, mm-hmm. I'd be way higher on Philly. Well, I, I th- thought... I thought Montreal hung with them pretty decently. I think because of that series, Philadelphia's going to realize what's going on and be like, okay, this is not acceptable. You think they're going to turn the dial up? I think they're going to dial it up. All right. So I'm thinking Philadelphia, uh, I'll do seven. You know, going all the way. All Philadelphia right. and seven. But I'll be, just for the record, I'm cheering for the Islanders. Who are you cheering for? Islanders. Islanders hard. Oh. Yeah, and usually I don't. Typically I would want to cheer for the team that, that beat Montreal. my team, yeah. but uh, not now. All right. No. Uh, next series, Tampa Bay and Boston. Go. What you saying? Tampa Bay, but it's going to go seven. Ooh, I'm going to say Boston, but I don't think that's realistic. <laughs> Why you choose Boston? Then? Because that's what my heart's telling me to say. Well, what's your brain telling you to say? My brain's telling me to say Boston. <laughs> <laughs> I will say um, Boston is going to win this series in six games. In six games. I like what you're saying. You are, like I said, in the top of this podcast, you are in the minor- minority. Yeah. So am I. Uh, okay, next series, Vegas versus Vancouver. I would love to see Vancouver win this series. It would be really great to see Vancouver win this series. It would be amazing. I think this one's hard to pick. This one is hard to pick. Goat, what you're saying? Vancouver in six. Ooh. In six? Yep. I'm going to say... I'm going to say... Uh, <laughs> that was well done. I want to say Vancouver in seven, but, oh, man, I don't know. I'm going to say Vancouver in seven. I think I'm being emotionally swayed in the Vancouver side because of the recent Vancouver hockey I've just watched. So I think if I sat on this a couple of days, I'd probably predict Vegas in six. But I'm so high in Vancouver. Vancouver in five. What? Whoa. Oh, you heard it here. Oh, snap. Vancouver in five. Go to your bookie right now. I'm feeling good. I think Vegas is going to flop. (laughs) Well, I think the discussion we just had about goalies. You know, when their better goalie is barely above 900 in a save percentage mm-hmm. and their second better goalie is lower than 900. You're 100%. And, and you maybe have morale things happening right now. Mm-hmm. Like if, if Elliot expects Marc-Andre Fleury to have to come out and speak about this to the media tomorrow right. or today, if it's this is Sunday, I think that all points in the wrong direction. 100%. I agree. And Vancouver does not have a problem putting pucks in the net. Heck no. Yep. They're all about it. There you go. Uh, last series, Colorado versus Dallas. Goat. What you saying? Avalanche, seven games. Ooh, you think it's going to go the distance? I think the uh, I think the Joe Pavelski miracle is is probably fading away. I okay. he's been amazing, but I just don't think he can keep this up. All right, and I think I think he's a big part of the the last two series that or the last two rounds that they've played. If we want to call it that, but uh, yeah, I I I think Colorado with with a rejuvenated cadre. And I hope Colorado goes as deep as they can because watching Nathan McKinnon go from one end of the ice to the other is a privilege. Yeah, or and just when he gets frustrated, picking players up and throwing them around. Oh man, I just—it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I want that guy to be playing as deep into the deep into the month of September, October as possible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which I've never said before. All right, Jason, what are you saying? I'm saying Colorado will lay the smacketh down in five games. Oh, five games. See, I was thinking about five games. But I want to go with six. I want to give Dallas just a little bit more opportunity or a little bit more credit to maybe get something done. So you're saying Colorado in seven. You're saying Colorado in five. And I'm saying Colorado in six. 
we think Colorado's going to win the series. <laughs> so Dallas is winning the series, basically. Dallas, is, <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. Based on our hockey expertise. So just for fun, just for fun, the majority of us chose the Islanders to move forward. I think the majority of us chose Boston to move forward. So, so if the Islanders face the boss, if Boston Bruins, who do you think is going to win that series? Just for fun. I think Boston can beat the Islanders. I also think Boston can beat the Islanders. I think whoever comes out of the Boston-Tampa Bay series will be a broken team. I think whoever comes out of that series will be so absolutely expended Mm -hmm. to beat the others, because I think that's the biggest matchup in the league right now. Mm -hmm. I think whoever comes out of that will not have much left. Oh, wow. So you're predicting whoever wins the... I think the Islanders... So you think the Islanders would beat Boston? Okay. I think so. So over to the West, Vancouver versus Colorado. Who would you predict between Ooh, them? Two? That's, <laughs> that's freaking. That's a series right there. That is a, that's a series. That's that's I, going eight games. I want to see that <laughs> eight games. <laughs> like now that I think about it, I want to see that yeah, series big time. That would be amazing, incredible. And I just I just hope and pray they put them on earlier in the in the yeah. day than this eleven thirty start garbage that we've had now. Mm. I think Colorado would win, but I'd be <clears> cheering for Vancouver. I I think Colorado would win in seven, but I'd be cheering for Colorado. <laughs> what? I don't know, just send them with you saying I think they would do it, but I think they'd do it. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you think would win, Ed? Colorado I, Vancouver? That's a hard like it's a hard one to pick. I think Colorado, when when you get to that stage, you're probably drawing on things intangible things like experience. Mm-hmm. I think Colorado is more of that from the recent series, recent seasons. Oh yeah. So I would think Colorado might have a slight edge, but okay. but I would be very happy if Vancouver took it. All right. Yeah. Sounds good. Good, good chat. Good chat, fellas. All right. I'm feeling lazy. You can end this one. No, you always end the podcast. <laughs> All right. Uh, Dad, thanks for joining. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You uh, you have a channel on YouTube. It's called Brent Taylor. It is. If you want to go Very check creative. it out. If you just search uh, Brent Taylor on YouTube and then it's filtered by channel, you can find him over there. He's making videos, not really on a regular basis, but uh, every now and then. Yeah. You can go and look at the archive. <laughs> look at the uh, archive. Now, I have a week of vacation coming up off, and I'll be home. I'll be mm-hmm. home and around my equipment. Okay. And if there was going to be a good time for me to finally finish my travel log of the UK okay. and do a few other things and get them on my channel and get that finally done, it'll be a couple of rainy days in the coming week. And I think we're supposed to get some in PEI. Are you committing to this? At least a video during the next week. I'm committing to making a decision to commit. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Sounds good. Like I said, Brent Taylor on YouTube, if you want to go check him out. I have a channel called Post Post Productions. I would love it if you go over there and hit the subscribe button if you're not already. Um, And yeah, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on iTunes or whoever you're listening to us. We really appreciate it. And uh, we're looking forward to coming back at you next weekend for another podcast. And we'll have so much to talk about because every series will be underway. We'll have uh, new storylines that come up. So, uh, yeah, look forward to next week's next weekend's conversation. So, enjoy your weekend, or I hope you did enjoy your weekend by the time you listen to this, and we'll catch you in the next one. Adios.